This is exactly right. I think understanding that they don't understand as much as we think is a good starting place because that that invites us to not judge but to just observe. So I think that's the place parents need to start with. These are emerging babies. They were just a baby like a blink ago. And they're not all the way to child. They're in a liminal state. And so let's explore that liminal state as opposed to trying to keep shutting it down and make it comport with things that they'll get to when they're older. Welcome to the Parent Footprint Podcast with Dr. Dan. I am your host, Dr. Dan, and let me tell you about our mission at Parent Footprint. It is to make the world a more loving and compassionate place, one parent and one child at a time. At Parent Footprint, we believe the key to raising happy, healthy, and engaged kids is for us parents to seek the same in our own lives, happiness, health, and engagement. Awareness. We believe that awareness is the foundation for your vision of successful parenting. And with increased awareness and intention, we can be purposeful about leaving a healthy footprint on our children. I am so excited for today's show. Today's show is called Terrific Toddlers Part Two. And the reason it's part two is because we are so fortunate to have our wonderful guests back, Carol Zeven and Rona Silverbush. And let me tell you about them before we jump in. Carol earned her BA in music from UCLA and became a successful freelance orchestral violinist and chamber musician in New York City. She then earned her master's degree in education and special education from Bank Street College and worked with infants and toddlers from 1992 through 2010. She was head teacher at Rockefeller University's Child and Family Center and Barnard's Toddler Development Center and also worked as a special educator. She continues to perform classical music in New York and teaches violin and piano to kids and grown-ups of all ages and abilities. That is Carol. And now Rona. Rona has put her electric background to good use. She wears many hats throughout the course of any given day. She studied psychology and theater at Brandeis University and holds a JD from Boston College Law School after practicing immigration law and representing asylum seekers primarily, she returned to her first loves of writing and theater. Rona is the co-author of Speak the Speech, Shakespeare's monologues Illuminated, and has taught theater to all ages from tots to adults and currently coaches actors in Shakespeare. She also taught at Columbia University Teachers College and wrote the book Witchcraft, which is crafting a sandwich into a meal and a meal into a sandwich with some very famous chefs that you all know. And she's also a freelance writer and editor, a consultant for families of children and teens with learning differences and special needs, a tutor, and a smitten parent and step-parent. Okay, guys. Phew. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thanks Thank for you, having Dr. us. Dan. So good to have you back. And what I didn't say, because I saved it till now, is you are also co-authors of the Terrific Toddler series. And last time, and last time for everyone who you guys all need to listen to the first show, which was um, February of 2019, we talked about your first three books, Boo Boo, Bye Bye, and All Mine. And now you're so prolific. Three new books <laughs> are coming out. Three books, everyone. New Baby, 
potty and time to go. That's a lot of work. It yes. was a lot of work. Yes. <laughs> you said a mouthful. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yes. Okay. So let's start with, tell us about, re reintroduce us to the series and how the series came to be. And I know there's been tremendous impact uh, by your books. Well, Rona, you want to? Sure. Sure. Um, so, you know, Carol worked with my son, when he was in early intervention um, as a toddler. And we were noticing that there really were no good books that were really at the right level for toddlers, um, for their understanding of the, the self, their understanding of their emotional lives, their understanding of the world around them. Um, we we realized that, you know, yeah, there are books about cars and trucks and things like that, but, you know, nothing that really um, would help them navigate their world and would also help their parents understand them, give a little window into them. And so we sat down to write them ourselves. And that's how the series uh, came to be. We wanted to write about books that they would actually care about, but write them as really good stories that they would love reading that also were socially and emotionally purposeful. And you would think, I would think, that books like this would be out there, and yet there weren't. And and then the way you went about writing it, I mean, the impact that it's had, I mean, tell everyone, what what is the magic sauce that you've been hearing from parents? The, the toddlers just, because they see themselves in these books and because we deliberately wrote them from the toddler point of view as close as we could, you know, get there, they, they, it's like, I, I was thinking about this today, it's like me watching like episodes of the Big Bang Theory and Modern Family over and over and over and never getting tired of it and loving it because I identify with the characters, I identify with what they're going through, with their emotions, how they express them, what, you know, their awarenesses of various. So these books are micro targeted to the like one and a half to three and a half year olds to their intellectual and emotional and psychological development. And the, and they love them. They want just like me with these TV shows. They they just want to read them over and over and over because they can't get enough of themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's it, people think that they understand toddlers without realizing that, you know, they're a little hoodwinked because the toddlers, you know, can talk some, can walk some. And so people forget how much they didn't understand when they themselves were toddlers. And so people do write books for them, but they generally, if they try to write about anything the toddler cares about, they write right over their heads. And mm -hmm. so what Carol's saying is um, the reason we're able to do that is because of assiduous research, um, mm -hmm. you know, into the exact moment that is toddlerhood. And as a result, we're able to really write to the toddlers and, and, and they I, feel and it. Yeah. And I recall us um, speaking to this last in our last conversation and it, it's, it, it's not easy to do that. So what, you know, you talk about the research and, and getting the perspective of a one and a half to three year old when you're not that age and when you're far from that age, mm -hmm. you know, speaking from myself, um, how do how do you do it? There's a lot of observation and a certain kind of observation. It's not like intellectual, I'm looking at you as the grown up. You're down on the floor and 
you're trying to figure out what the child is feeling in the moment. And there's up-to-date brain research also combined with, you know, the experience of being on the floor with toddlers and observing that tells us what their brains are doing and what they're capable of doing. Try to put yourself in their shoes, which I kind of did for all those, you know, 18 years or so, because in order to work effectively with toddlers who are all over the map emotionally at the drop of a hat, you kind of have to have a sense of what to expect and what they're capable of understanding. And I don't know. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, you know, doing research and then and, and understanding certain key things then enables you to see that play out and to understand their behavior in the light in light of that. So, you know, when you understand that they are still sussing out the sense of self, I mean, adults don't think about whether you have a sense of, of the self. They just mm-hmm. have a sense of the self. But a toddler doesn't even quite fully get that they're separate from you. And they're testing that out all the time, all the time as a hypothesis. It's not a, a, a concrete thing that's already established in them. And when you understand that, then you can see their behaviors in light of that. And it makes a lot of sense, which at the moment, it normally does not make sense to the parents and parents misunderstand what their toddlers are doing because they don't get that fact. Or if you don't understand time, you know, that they don't understand time. I'm sorry. If you don't understand that toddlers don't understand time, then, mm-hmm. um, Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to be making all sorts of mistakes and they're going to get frustrated and then you're going to be frustrated with their frustration behaviors. But once you understand that, then you start seeing their behaviors in light of that. So Carol's, you know, so spot on with the fact that then when you're observing, because you know certain things, you're able to observe what you have in front of you and actually understand it in its context. And then you can, and then we can write to it mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Right. You find out that they don't have a sense of the this self thing. They don't have a sense of the permanence of the self, not only object permanence, which is something that develops, but I've gotten such a kick out of quizzing toddlers about, well, can you turn into a lion? Can you, if you're a boy, can you turn into a girl? And they, they say, yes, they, they don't have a sense, it's, it's right. a kick in the, you know, but they don't really have that sense of permanence. So. Two concepts you guys are talking about, um, sense of time or lack thereof, and a self-concept or a sense of self-concept. So I want let's go I want to go in both of those directions at the same time, but we have to pick one. So since you since you said uh, the the idea of they're really not tracking time, let's talk about that because I think we all are on this clock, you know, we call it um, you know Newtonian time, some and a lot of people though are on, what people are calling Einstein time, kind of like time is relative. And I feel it sounds like toddlers, they don't really track this stuff like we might expect them to. Right. They have their own time, which we call toddler time, which is based on concrete events that they can see and touch and observe. The first thing to note, though, is that also that, that, first of all, they live in the moment. They live in the present you know, they're not thinking about tomorrow and they're, you know, not thinking much about yesterday. They're thinking about right now. And then when you layer on top of that, what Carol was talking about, you know, um, you really figure out how you need to talk to them because you can't say that, you know, they like with our book, bye bye, which one of the first three, you know, they fall apart when you're leaving and 
you say, oh, it's okay, which no, it's not. So you've just insulted them anew additionally. Mm -hmm. And then you say, I'll be back in a half an hour. And they have no idea what a half an hour is. Forever. Never. (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And then if you can at least give them something tangible, like like Carol was starting to say, if you can say, I'll be back after you go to the park with Nana. Oh, I've been to the park with Nana. I know what that means. They can, they can take that and they can hold on to that. And that can be something useful to them. And then they go to the park with Nana and then they come home and mommy comes back. Daddy comes back and they see, you know, they've had the experience of going to the park with Nana. And then the next thing happens, which is what they were told. Mommy or daddy comes back. And over time, it really sinks in and starts to make sense. And in, in our new book, Time to Go, we have other techniques of dealing with the toddler's sense of time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to help with transitions. Right. That's what that one focuses on. And so important for parents to understand this, right? Because we are always interpreting behavior as what we think it means, or they're being difficult, or absolutely um, right. Exactly. Behavior is not they're being difficult. Behavior is they are upset about something and they don't have enough language to communicate that effectively. And their frustration flows over. And that's what you see. And we go, they're so difficult. But no, they're not difficult. In fact, if anything, we've been a little difficult with them Mm -hmm. and contributed Mm -hmm. to their frustration. Right. I've always felt that toddlers are on the, the pure end of emotional ebbs and flows, mm-hmm. unlike grown-ups, So we see them and they seem primal and unmanageable, but actually they're just expressing what is true to them in the moment. And, and being in the moment, it just, you know, I think we, we all are as adults, a lot of us miss that. Um, and have to work hard through mindfulness-based practice, or um, at least focus practice, and to try to stay in the moment and to cultivate in that. And and as you're saying, is these toddlers have it naturally. Um, and I think right. of I think of the Buddhist practice of being of child mind, right? Like one of the practices mm-hmm. is to try to mm-hmm. go back to right. having that mind. And so, how do we? How do we? I mean, you're talking about embracing it and celebrating it. Um, rather than being frustrated with it. Right, and understanding it and understanding where it comes from. And it it you know, it makes everything just easier. Absolutely. Life for the toddler. <laughs> Things smooth the more you understand, the more windows you have into them, the the easier everything becomes every day throughout the day. It really does. It doesn't become perfect. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. But it smooths yeah. it smooths out considerably. It really mm-hmm. does. So, so what about sense of self? What, what is the, what's the self? How do, would you guys describe the self? I know that's a big question. And oh gosh, how I do you, how do you just course on that? It oh, great. Psychology. Okay. You, you can just condense it right now. That would be wonderful. Cliff yeah. Notes. That's a complicated yes. one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And how is, so, but any the second part of the question though is, and then how would you define it? You know, how does it, is it different in a toddler? Well, I think it, I think just to be very, very simple about the self and not go in, you know, all sorts of directions, you know, philosophical and psychological. I mean, I just, just at the simplest level, you know, it's about understanding that you are, are not someone else and they are not you, you are separate, you are unto yourself and, um, and they are too. 
And there are stages along the path to even just that most simple, basic understanding. And we take it for granted that we know that, you know, I'm me and you're you. But uh, we, we also, without realizing it, we don't take it for granted that a baby understands much of anything. But we do sort of think that a toddler already has that idea. But it's not an idea. It's an emerging idea at the very most basic level of what is a self, right? So they don't really know it and they constantly come up with ways to test it. And then we misinterpret those scientific experiments they're doing. Right. And they're so emphatic about it and so insistent that that's where (laughs) the behavioral stuff comes in. And, And toddlerhood is the epitome of the phase of separation because they can now toddle away and toddle back. And so separation and then having a sense of yourself as an individual, just like Rona was saying, is that's when it starts in toddlerhood. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the inception. But they have to keep testing it. It's not a, fr- it doesn't become right. firm. Right. It's not oh, like Athena yeah. springing from the head of Zeus, you know, yeah. <laughs> they, they don't have it and they have to keep testing it. And one way, for example, as we showed in one of our, also one of our first three books is with the word mine, because if it's mine and it's not yours, then I'm not you and you're not me. Um, and, and that has to be okay, behaviorally. It has to be, right. We have to just say, okay, they're testing that they are not you. But we misinterpret that and think, oh, no, my child is an extremely selfish human being. This, I've got to fix that. I've got to break them of that right away. And we're like, no, 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 share, share, share. But again, then the concept of time comes in. They not only don't know that they're separate from you and are testing it, they also don't know they'll ever get this thing back. Right. And so they are not even close to ready and they don't really care about impressing other people yet because they don't have a sense of other people yet. So they're not they're they're not ready for share. They're not even ready for take turns, which Mm -hmm. precedes sharing because they don't have a sense of time and you can't take turns till you have a sense of time. So you see how just even the two little examples and there are so many things that, that toddlers are figuring out. We just gave you sense of self and time as two examples, but you see how they're interwoven with one another and then parents get upset because the toddler's not sharing, which is a ridiculous idea. Like a, a toddler can't, can't even come close to understanding that concept yet. And then we get upset with them. What a mess. What, what a mess. mess. <laughs> it's what a big mess. mess. Yeah. But, and I, yes, <laughs> it is. is. But toddlers are really terrific because of these things. They show us what mm-hmm. humanity is all about. Mm-hmm. And and I, and I'm just thinking then also of all the um, the wonderful um, early childhood educators and preschool um, educators, and you know there's always the push of share, take your turn. I mean these are these are off these are very um, important pro social uh, skills to learn. But I'm thinking about all those poor kids who just aren't there yet. Right, they don't have the sense of ownership that will allow them to share benevolently. Mm-hmm. Right. Give them, give them this moment first, and then they will absolutely share benevolently when they're, when they're developmentally at that moment where they can. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. give them this first and then they'll get there. And that's part of what we're hoping to do with the series in general is show people this moment, this pre moment that we have all as adults forgotten about and misunderstand time and time again, you know, so you, they can see that, yes, their toddler is truly terrific and where problems come up very often, it's really us and that creating this moment the problem. Of toddlerhood is so foundational 
for everything that comes. You know, it directly right. mimic mirrors uh, adolescence with the separation right. and individuation. And, you know, I, I still have some issues, which is probably why I wanted to work with toddlers. You know, <laughs> show me, show mm-hmm. me myself, show me what's going on. Right. Well, and as you were as you were describing all of the developmental um, the developmental tasks of the independence and pushing the limits, I was thinking my mind like you know adolescence is like the second toddlerhood, right? It's just the second, um, bigger body, higher stakes, and often can be a little more emotional and tumultuous only because bigger body, um, but just as important in the terms of developmental uh, transitions. Yep, they can drive away. They don't toddle away, but still. <laughs> right, right. So how do you, so what do you suggest to parents as they are trying to, they're trying to observe and be aware of where their toddler is in terms of the development of self and time and the others that we'll talk about, you know, so they get a sense of, should I push? Should I not push? What, you know, what, what do I do? Right. It's a scientific experiment for the parents, too. You have Mm -hmm. to try things and see what works in a way. I think with parenthood and, you know, in in my humble opinion, you're always jogging to catch up to the new moment your child has arrived at. You know, they're always just a little ahead. Once you figure out, oh, they're here. Well, then they move. Right. They keep moving the goalposts because they keep developing. And so I think that Carol's entirely right that you just it's like a a little science experiment for you to figure out the science experiments your kid is doing as a little budding scientist and figuring out their world. Um, But I think that understanding that they uh, I think understanding that they don't understand as much as we think is yep. a good starting place mm-hmm. because that that invites us to not judge but to just observe. So I think that's the place parents need to start with. These are emerging babies. They were just a baby like a blink ago. And mm-hmm. they're not all the way to child. They're in a liminal state. And so let's explore that liminal state as opposed to trying to keep shutting it down and make it comport with things that they'll get to when they're older. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's where you start. Right. They can do so much more than they could when they were infants, and they're very insistent on doing those things. So right. we think that they know more than they do. Yes. But they well, don't. And also the focus then, instead of why aren't they doing X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. what I'm hearing is, wow, look how much they can do now compared to what they used to do. Right. Yes. And, you know, let's just look with wonder and you know, enter into it with them, try to see it through their eyes. Cause the more you see through their eyes, the more you can understand what they're doing and then work with it. It's like right. accepting what is when you accept what is actually in front of you, instead of just um, thinking it should be further along, you know, a lot of stress just dissolves. Yes, accepting what is. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are all uh, challenged to do this on a daily basis, both with the micro that's happening in our lives and the macro that is happening yes. in our world. Um, yeah. yes. And it's so important to try to accept what is and, um, and, and look at it with wonder. Really, it is a, it, it's, a, it's a choice, I think, yes. right? It's a choice and it's really Agreed. one that you has to be cultivated uh, and, and intentional. Mm-hmm. So, okay, we've got three new books and we talked about the other ones last time so people can um, go more in depth, listen to our last uh, talk and show. How about take us through the new three and what 
toddlers and parents are going to learn? We'd love to. Yeah. Um, Carol, which one do we want to start with? I, <laughs> I, I don't have a favorite, but I think the most innovative. Oh, I was going to ask one, you that question and I decided not to, but you answered it anyways. Okay. <laughs> uh, they're all my babies. They're all our babies, babies. right? Yeah. Okay. With our whole hearts in different but, ways. Uh, it, and they're all innovative in their own way. But I think time to go is, I, I think that it's never been, I, you know, it's, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's never been done. This is a book that, you know, has these various and somewhat humorous scenarios that everybody will identify with, with kids who are involved, toddlers are involved in whatever they're involved in, and that's what they're doing. And yet, in the grown up world, it's time to transition to something else. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to. So we <laughs> not gonna. Not and gonna so do it. we, you know, we have these suggestions. And, you know, and then there's the uh, the um, the note in the end for parents and caregivers that explains more in depth about what we do in the book. But it's it's about accepting what is, right? Mm-hmm. Like in the first mm-hmm. chapter, Ava is singing and banging on a pot. And she doesn't want to stop. And daddy says, it's time to go to the playground. And she says, no. You know, what does she say? She says, I singing. And he says, okay. Accepting what is, right? Mm-hmm. One more song, but one more song. So you set a limit. And then we go. You, you set it up for what's going to happen. Right? And then she's, after one more song, she's still singing. Of course she is. Mm-hmm. She's a toddler. Right. And daddy says, you know, accepting the reality. I know you want to keep singing. I, I don't know if I should be reading the whole book. Yeah. No, but, <laughs> and then, but it's time to go and then veer toward something concrete to do. Right. Here, here's your shoes and socks. And mm-hmm. then, you know, separation, independence. Right. Do you want me to do them or do you want to do it? And also choices, giving them that autonomy. And choices. Right. right. There's, so there's a lot in each chapter. There's a lot going on that that bears on exactly you know what the toddler phase is what the toddler wants and what the toddler needs to be doing and how to get there and one of the things that is that like these books are very very layered you know we've put, which is one of the reasons i think that the toddlers wind up kind of obsessed with them is because they really recognize so much that Honestly, you know, like it's like we've placed at each word there with a tweezers. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's only it's only what two hundred and fifty <laughs> words, three hundred words, but but the toddler gets so much out of each like vignette in the stories um, for reasons that might go past the parents. Um, but you know, like like the fact that they're given the choice: do you want to put on your shoes or do you want me to do it? Like they love that. They, there's so many things in there that make this an actually really rich and satisfying story if you're a kid. If you're a toddler, if you're a mm-hmm. toddler, um, mm-hmm. even though and they the parents- get to say no, they get to say no. Yeah. You know, really loud. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, right. So time to go. And then we always give them, you know, a, a sort of a, a catchphrase, a thing that is a helpful tool that they can hold on to. You know, in this case, it's right. see you next time whatever mm. this thing was mm-hmm. that you didn't want to leave, you mm-hmm. know, and then th- that also helps start to develop their sense of object and place permanence. Right. Cause mm-hmm. it will be there again when you come back. They're like, Oh, didn't know that. 
Right. Did That's not new that. information. Right. That's that is good new information. Yes. And the more that that gets tested out in their world, and it is in fact there, the pot is still there. You can go mm-hmm. back to banging now. We're back from the playground. You know, the more that these things happen, the more they go, oh, mm-hmm. I see how this, I see how this works, you know, and they can start to relax about the transition because they start to get to the stage where, oh, I do know I will be back. I will get to play with that again. I will get to do this set very rich and satisfying thing I'm doing again. You know, so right. Yeah, you know, I had a we had a a previous guest, parenting expert, who talked about the amount of time you have with your child to listen to you is based like a minute per age. So you know, Mm -hmm. if you have a five year old, Mm -hmm. you got five minutes. A fifteen year old, (laughs) fifteen minutes. So uh, as you talked about the three hundred words, two hundred fifty three hundred words, how long? is the attention span of a toddler because you've clearly nailed it with these books. Like how do you determine, okay, this is the exact amount. I imagine the jeweler putting the little, each word is a little gem in the book to make sure that we can't waste a word here. So how long do you have with them? I think we've been getting better at that actually over time. Well, (laughs) you know, in a way you have as long as you have. I mean, if you're with the toddler, you can see their eyes, you know, glaze or their bodies just move away because they're done. And we've tested these. Yeah, we've tested Mm -hmm. the book. So we've gotten a sense of like, all right, this is where they're at. Okay, done, right? Um, So we've, we've actually sort of gone out and road tested the books before we you know, nice. but nice. no, the books, the books hold up well in the, in the toddler attention span. Yeah. They tend yeah. not to stop in the middle. Yeah. Right. They tend to read all the way through and then want to do it again. Right. And I know that there are adults who go, well, there's not much there, you know, but they should ask the toddlers. Yes. Right. The toddlers, we're writing to adults. Right. We're writing right. to the toddlers. <laughs> and I'll yeah. tell you a little story. The toddlers actually use the books to help themselves. Like this one little girl, her parents go out to dinner frequently and her grandmother babysits. And as soon as she got bye-bye, the book bye-bye, she would say bye-bye to her parents. And then she would run to the bookshelf, grab the book and hand it to her grandmother and say, read it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And say, help me process what's going on here. Yes, and I got I got the same kind of feedback about Boo Boo, which right. is also one of the first three. You know, these new books, the three book new books are coming out soon, so we have a much smaller sampling. We've sent the advanced copies we got out to people, um, but we don't have the larger sampling yet on those books. But even with the new three, like if we could move on to to Potty, um, yeah. you know, there's one little boy that. Uh, whose mother reported to Carol that he would not put the book down. And she, in order to get him to eat a meal, she would have to prop it up in front of him. <laughs> so he would allow her to like, he, you know, he would let go of the book and allow because her. Because to- he was exactly at that point in his potty learning, right? Where he's obsessed with the potty. He's obsessed with what comes out, but he's not ready to, you know, make the. And this book just spoke right to him and he mm. just couldn't let it go. And something we can say about the books that we couldn't say the first time when they were just coming out is that as a result, they've sparked the attention. So they've sparked the attention of early childhood literacy groups and mm-hmm. early childhood um, organizations that are that are trying on many different fronts to help children. And an example with Potty, our what's different in Potty because we did this, the research is we didn't write another yay, goal-oriented, look what's in the potty at the end of the book right. kind of book. Yeah. We didn't do that. We specifically, with potty, we specifically wrote a book that was 
celebrating, recognizing and celebrating all, you know, many different stages of potty readiness along the way. Because for a a toddler, each one of those is a step forward, not just the end one. They're all steps forward. And so, in fact, our last child who's wearing underpants, she has an accident. And she says, "Uh uh-oh. And daddy says, it's okay. You're learning to use the potty. And she says, you know, very proudly again, yes, I do potty, you know. And so what we're saying is there will be lots of things like accidents along the way. There'll be lots of different things. And even there, we've layered in things like one child's playing with Play-Doh. She's squishing Play-Doh because that's a sign. Another child has a little potty ritual and we put that in. And again, the parents don't recognize what we're doing, but the toddlers really do. Um, And what's happened as a result is, um, you know, the Clinton Foundation's Too Small to Fail initiative has a um, they have a, a project that they're working on with the National Diaper Bank because apparently in homes where there's child abuse, unfortunately for any any of those homes, but what happens very often is that the the child abuse spikes around toilet training because mm-hmm. you know that it comes out as a result of anxiety, the parents' own anxieties, and um, it causes the irritation and, and the behaviors from the parents. And so what happens is that since potty training is so fraught, um, child abuse tends to spike. And what they said is they got very excited about potty specifically because it is not goal-oriented, and it is about this process and these stages. They want to actually partner with us and use these books Oh, wonderful. For that endeavor. And so wonderful. this is something new that's happening as the books are coming to the attention of places like Reach Out and Read and the mm-hmm. Clinton Foundation, the National Diaper Bank, you know, all these different types of things. They're starting to say, wow, these books, because they nail it so well, mm-hmm. they want to use these books for whatever their particular missions of those projects are. That's wonderful. And that's- and- yeah, yeah, and it's a. I mean, it's about a process. Like this is all a learning process. Every single right. one of your books hits a different process about yes. learning about being human, a, yes. a young human person. Yeah, exactly. Yes, and that's again because we're telling it as a quote unquote great story to a toddler. You know, if you're a toddler, we specifically are trying to write what a toddler would consider a great yarn, but mm-hmm. have all the content be so purposeful. It mm-hmm. really, it really delivers because the toddlers, as Carol said, want to hear them again and again and again. And that leaves us with one more, one more new book about, yes. and this is difficult. This is difficult for people oh. when, when someone else comes into their world, yes. a new baby. Oh, new baby. I love new baby. (laughs) Tell us about new baby. Well, what does the toddler know about this situation? Nothing. Nothing. Really? (laughs) It's like, will you, wait a minute. If, if the, you're the baby's mommy, are are you my mommy too? How does that Mm -hmm. work? You know, who is this baby to me? Am I allowed to be upset about this? Everybody's so involved. Oh, congratulations. They're so happy. And here I am kind of in left field, like, well, What's my role here? Even more, if I can jump in for a sec, Carol's like, you know, there there are children who they so don't understand how family structure works. This is again, where we assume that they understand so much more than they know, than they do. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. when they hear we're getting a new baby, stop and think up until this moment, they was been your baby, baby, but now like they've been your only baby. And what they say is, does that mean I have to go and have a new mommy and daddy now? And it never occurs to the grownups 
that no, they would no. ever think that. But it's logical. It happens to be wrong, but it happens to also right. be highly logical to think. Am that, I not your baby anymore? Am I not yours? And who's going to be my new mommy and daddy? Where do I have to go live? Who? When do I have to do this? And they freak out, but they don't have the language to tell you that they're wondering that. And so instead, they you know fall apart because you gave them the blue sippy cup instead of the you know, yellow sippy cup. We don't know, you know, whatever. And you go, Oh my gosh, toddlers are so unreasonable. And it's not, they're right. like, they're literally right. stressing out yes. every moment. Is this the moment that I have to say goodbye to my mommy and daddy forever? All right. I have to share a traumatic parenting experience that you just oh. triggered. Um, and this was probably, you know, this is, this is on the list obviously, cause I, um, I, I'm remembering it. So we thought it would be a good idea to take our first child to the hospital to bring home child number two, which actually that part went really well. The visits, the, you know, hanging out with baby and all of that stuff, I think went really well. Well, what we did not anticipate is when, is that the hospital required my wife to be in a wheelchair wheeled out with new baby on lap and would not allow baby number one, child number one, toddler, to sit with mommy. Oh, we addressed that in the book. Yeah. Oh, oh it was terrible. God. Me it's having terrible. to take take a screaming child who oh. thinks that she's losing her mother off yep. of her for like to get down like two floors. It's not, it's, oh. It took yes. a lifetime. Yep. And we yeah. were just, it was the most awful experience. And we we're thinking like, what yep. did we just do? Like that couldn't have gone worse. Right. Like, terrible. Yeah. Terrible. Because yeah. you uh. at least understood what was happening to her, you know? I mean, and, and that's one thing that mm -hmm. we hope happens with new baby is that it helps to clarify for the toddler and give them some peace of mind and also give them permission to not just be happy, right. you know, right. uh, give, yeah. you know, just show them that all of this is, is normal at the same time that we're helping them navigate the world, you know, yes. a little bit like, no, you're, you're going to still have your mommy and daddy and they're always, mm -hmm. you're always going to be their baby and their big boy or girl, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So important. It would have been great to have that book. Um, and also to know the hospital policy before we made that decision. Yeah, really. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. So are there more Are there more coming? I mean, like in your well, minds? Well, we hope so. Oh, yeah. yeah we've written yeah. three more. Ah. And they're on the doorstep at Imagination. Yeah. Wow. Waiting for Imagination <laughs> to review them. Yeah, we we have the toddlers going out in the world in the next three. Yeah. So nice. We have nice. school, school, all about preschool. We wow. have... Um, we have haircut, haircut, <laughs> and That's great. we have, and we and have um, grocery, grocery store. store. We're really mm. taking. We, that's like our coup de gras. I think. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, yeah. And one of the beautiful things in there is that we really show how come two of the four children have a successful encounter in the grocery store, and mm. then two who don't. We really um, love that we're distinguishing between the toddler tantrum um you know and we help navigate that and um also try to diffuse you know any feelings by the parent around that you know it's normal and we explain why that's normal but we also differentiate between that and the sensory meltdown yes oh yes that parents is so think that important they think yes. that's a toddler tantrum it's not a toddler tantrum and no. both of them really are you know it's it's you know like it's not that we're saying that you should um, be angry at the tablet tantrum. You shouldn't, but you should definitely know what you're seeing so you can handle each one appropriately. Yes. 
So much more. So I I was going to say, like, yeah, I wonder if we're going to have a uh, terrific toddler part three, but it uh, sounds like we are in the future. So that's exciting. Yay, thank um, you. Thank it you. is time. It's time for the Parent Footprint Moment questions. We have two respondents for us to be enlightened by. We will decide. You can decide who's going to go first. And you know the question. And here it is. Tell us about a time that you became aware of yourself as a person or as a parent, and that new awareness had a positive impact on your child. Carol, you want to go? You want me to go? All right. The, the non-parent of the duo will go. Um, so the, I, I want to tell the story, the true story, of the first time I ever encountered a room full of toddlers in the wild. <laughs> it, was, it was 1992 and and it was a test i i wanted to i was here i was midlife you know very little contact with young children i'd done a lot of reading and i went to bank street college and said gee i love your infant parent development program i want to enroll and the admissions director said, well, what age group were you thinking on? I said, you know, zero to three, you know, especially toddlers. I just, I'm fascinated by toddlers. She, she said, how do, how do you know that's the age group you want to work with? And I said, I just know. And she looked at me under her eyebrows and said, I remember this to this day, quote, it's a difficult cohort Unquote. <laughs> so just to make sure she insisted that before I enrolled in the coursework, I have a test run in the infant toddler room at the bank street family center as a volunteer for a semester. So, so there I am infants crawling toddlers, raising hell heck. I'm sorry. And, yes, that works. and, and as it turns out, all my intellectual knowledge and interest and fascination did absolutely nothing to help me. I was literally, I've told this story a lot because it's so apocryphal. I was completely paralyzed, literally paralyzed. I mean, I did okay with like the safety issues, like get down from there or whatever, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. <laughs> I would see something go down between a couple of toddlers that obviously needed addressing. And I, I had no idea how to deal with it. It was beyond embarrassing. It was kind of horrifying. And, and I noticed that the teachers made it look, if not exactly easy, at least natural. They seemed to know what to say, you know, in these various situations. So I had enough sense to ask the head teacher to help me learn some of these magical toddler-friendly phrases. Um, and she, angel that she was, she let me sit with her on her precious lunch breaks. And I would, and I would tell her about some of the scenarios that had flummoxed me, and she would dictate, like, worse sentences and I kept them in a notebook and I had them with me at all times <laughs> but sadly for the her and me I I did not learn fast uh, um it was you know that semester was really an abject failure in my mind but it was also the moment in time when I knew that this mm. was what I wanted this I was going to master this I was determined. They respect toddlers. They bested me. I was determined <laughs> to learn how to get through to these, you know, captivating little creatures in a way nice. that could make life better for them and for me as their educator and for, you know, all the harried humans in their lives. 
You are so persistent. Was, I, 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 you know, is. Yeah. I am and I was, and yeah. it took a lot of, you know, work and I had a career and I was going to school and I was, I was head teacher in daycare and trying to play a Broadway show at the same time. I mean, I was younger, so I, yes. I don't know how I did it. <laughs> you did it. That's a but great story. It. That's a Thank great you. story. Rona. All right. So I have two stepdaughters and a son. Um, he is now 16 and he, for several years, he did something uh, in the summer times that's just marvelous called Tech Kids Unlimited. I'd love to give them a shout out because yeah. they are yep. just wonderful. And each week of that program, you sign up for whichever weeks you want. Um, this is in New York City where we live. Um, and each week they focus on a different aspect of tech and you sign up for the ones you like. So the first summer that they ever had 3D printing, I went, whoa, that's wow. so cool. Oh, he's going to love that, right? Mm -hmm. And I signed him up for that plus a whole bunch of the other programs. Well, he finished school uh, the last week of June, right, and on a Friday, and the 3D printing started that Monday. And he went, and I worked, and then he came home, and I was so excited. I was like, how was it? How was it? And he burst into tears. Mm. I thought, uh-oh. And I think he was probably 11 or 12, maybe 12 at that point. And he just shook his head and he said, I, I, you know, he, he wouldn't talk actually. And I said, what, what? And he's like, I don't want to tell you. And I said, well, please tell me so I can help you. And he eventually said, um, it's just too much. I, I was just in school all year until Friday, and now suddenly I'm back in another program, and it's too much. I need some time to not do that, not do anything. And I went, sure, I get it. Okay, no problem. And he went, what, what? He goes, but you spent all this money, and I know that's really hard, you know. And, and I said, there's a wait list. There's another kid who's going to be thrilled to even get the next four days and let's just give it to them to do that. Don't you worry. And I understand if you want to lie on the couch all week, you just lie on the couch all week. You do whatever you need. And the thing is that it's like I had this aha moment. In It, it came to me in a flash. And the first thing was, you know, um, I, I really understood the need. Um, I thought, you know, I thought that 3D printing would be wonderful, but that's me and I'm not him to go back to what we talked about before. Right. I'm me and he's him and it's not wonderful for him right now because he's too overwhelmed. Um, and the second thing I thought was, you know, I'm really glad that he's start, he's having this awareness about the, the cost of it and not wanting to waste it, but that's not on him because right. I signed him up. I did this. That's my issue. It does not need to become his issue. And I will fix that. And I will take that off his plate. I'm glad I will let him know that it's a good thing to think about, but not make it his, not, you know, not, not yeah. put it on him right now. Um, because you do want to teach your kid these awarenesses and stuff, but it's not like he said, Oh, I want this. I want this. And then blew it off. So I made it really clear. This was not his worry at this moment, even though it was a good thing to think about. Um, but so in those ways, I think I was able to be a better parent to him. But as for me and how the moment it shaped me is I realized that I was never raised with the sense that downtime was valid and valuable. 
Mm. It was always discounted and I was always being expected to like to output, output, output all the time. And there was a sense that, you know, downtime was, I was being like slothful, you know? And, um, I realized that in giving him that gift of, no, you deserve the downtime that you have earned all year working so hard in school. Um, I realized I needed to also apply that to myself. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. You just encapsulated the you know parent footprint, the mission of being aware of like who we are, where we came from, how it impacts us, and then take that awareness and decide what we're going to do in the moment and beyond for our kids with complete awareness and intention. Rona, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Thank you for letting me. Yeah. yeah. All right, everyone. And my wonderful guests, Rona and Carol, this concludes part two of Terrific Toddlers. <laughs> Stay tuned for part three to come. And right. um, you guys all have to go check out these amazing books, Boo Boo, Bye Bye, All Mine, and the new books, New Baby, potty and time to go and tell everyone where they can find those they're amazon. available for pre-order on amazon there we go november and, 17th they really and write november. some amazing reviews once oh, you read thank them you. Yeah. yes yes please do <laughs> yes thanks again guys oh Stay thank you for having us thank you thank so you lovely so to talk much with you yeah great to reconnect Stay well, stay safe, and uh, we will all have hope for things to come. Exactly. Thank you. That's it, everyone. Another wonderful conversation. Thanks for tuning in. Subscribe. Tell others about the show. As always, be the person you want your child to become. Try to be intentional and aware and be kind to yourself. We're all learning. Every day is a new day. And as always, ask yourself the guiding question. What footprint do you want to leave?